It's time for Stars on Sports, a podcast radio show dedicated to sharing stories about our athletic program at Lansing Community College. LCC Athletics has a strong tradition. 23 national championship wins. Over 170 All-Americans. 19 MCCAA All-Sports Trophies. Stars on Sports will introduce you to individuals that have contributed to our program success and give you the backstory on what it takes to develop it. We'll also dive into and break down the topics and issues facing athletic departments across the nation and right here at LCC. This is Stars on Sports. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thards on Sports. I'm joined by our assistant AD, Stephen Cutter. And Stephen, today I'd like to talk a little bit about um, where athletics fits in college and mainly roster sizes. There's been a lot of talk in society today of, of using athletics as a recruiting tool and a way to increase enrollment. And you see at some of the other levels, schools adding sports, adding JV teams and the emphasis and some some programs have quotas on the number of yes. uh, student athlete that they have to have on a team probably more so than even being competitive and i can see where the you know people are coming from and in, in using that tool and with you know a lot of factors into enrollments at colleges nowadays you know declining birth rates graduation rate dates and such and in the end the bottom dollar is enrollment at, at your institution but um, there's many ways of, of going about it and, you know, being honest with student athletes. And, you know, it just seems to be even a more common pathway for high school student athletes that want a college scholarship. So you have that the supply and demand seems to be out there of more student athletes wanting to play in college. Although, yes. you know, on a side note, I've seen many student athletes that have put a lot of time in their sport and then say, I'm done, quit when they're, you know, a senior in high school. So I've seen both ends of the spectrum. Um, one of the most telling statistics I've seen it, uh, from the Michigan State Youth Sports Institute is 75% of the kids quit sports by the age of 13. And what that statistic really says in my eyes is that maybe they quit that particular sport, that they find another sport or other things to do. But it's a challenging topic for us. And it's a fine line. I mean, there's, you know, we get a lot of critiquing from the crowd and and what's you know a lot of people have their own like 12 should be the magical number for a basketball rosters but I've seen coaches go with eight or nine so they don't have to deal with playing time issues and I've seen them do with 13 or 14 for depth and another way so there I don't believe there is a magic number I've always emphasized opportunity inclusiveness for the coaches that I've directed and in our short time here at LCC when I started two years ago I think we were at around 120, 25 student athletes, and we're up between 150 and 60 right now. And that's without increasing sports. And again, your program has a lot to do with that, with where our baseball numbers are. But I can say across the board, all our, our roster sizes mm-hmm. yeah. are larger, which I think is good for our program and good for the college. Yeah, I think really I've noticed a lot of it. If you look at youth sports, they seem to be in high demand. You really can't drive around in the warm summer months here and, and not see something going on, whether it's it's you know football, basketball, baseball, softball, whatever it might be. A lot of kids maybe do transition out of that sport that they're playing. Maybe it's because of burnout or, you know, there's a number of different reasons. It's coaching, it's, it's parents, it's, there's a lot of different things going on there. 
but they seem to always find another sport or at least in general and the numbers of kids that want to play college sports is is extremely high it doesn't seem like there's a any short demands of you know what people want to do so it it's definitely there when it comes to roster sizes it's really in my opinion it's just dependent on the on the coaches what they're looking for what they need how many games they're playing maybe if they don't want to deal with a lot of problems they're going to have a team that that isn't real large and so they won't deal with the the issues that are off the field but they'll deal with issues that are on the field if they if they're short staffed or whatever it might be so i think it's somewhat relative to, to the coaches but you definitely see that there's a lot of people that want to play a college sport and and that's a good thing i mean i, I you know i think sports is integral to our society and a microcosm of our society and 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 kids learn a lot of lessons playing sports and you hit it right on with where youth sports are in our society and how big a business that has become it's billions of dollar business and the joke used to be like you know two teams from your hometown go to Tennessee to play this each other when you could have played each other in the backyard but now your team your hometown has two teams and and even more than that so the interest is definitely there and and there is it is fluid the the changing and some of it time demands I mean it used to be seasonal where you, you your sport was for a certain period of time but now it's it kind of extended year, year round yeah and year so round. it's hard to play another one when when there's crossover and many do um, summers used to be a time off, but now it's it's an off season. Did you see that at the high school level where you've got coaches that are expecting their kids to do something, you know, pretty much year round. And then that year round happens to be in the other sport that the kid is playing. And then how do, how do they manage that? I mean, you probably saw that, right? increasingly um more difficult in the in recent years and you know the the new phrase is championships are won in the off season well you need to do something in the off season if you're going to win you can only do so much during the time you have them during the season that's more like preparation for games but um and that off season is somebody else's season right it could be and i i always encourage kids if you're playing another sport in the off season one you're using a different muscle group and two you're still competing which is a, a trait that helps you be successful in another sport going against other competition so I, I didn't always feel it had to be the same sport in the off season but there is some merit to um having your own sport in the off season too, getting some work and even strength and conditioning and agility are a huge business nowadays and and more student athletes having their own coat private coaches in the off season or even during the season i see that at our level we have student athletes that have their own coach you know specific yeah. position coaches that they go to before or after practice or in the off season that has become increasingly something we've had to manage that but from the other side, I mean, how long is a football season at the high school level typically? 15 weeks, 12 to 15 weeks. I so believe. a little over four months. Mm -hmm. So if, if you want to be a really good guitar player, are you, you going to play for a little over four months and then take the other eight off and not and not play the guitar and say, well, I'm going to work on my fingers or I'm going to work on my, you know, what, whatever it might be or you know and that and so that model is why you see more and more people doing things year round and it doesn't it's not just sports but i mean obviously mm -hmm. we're here to talk about sports but it's in a lot of things you are right and we bring 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 music and i that's why music i think is such a good analogy to sport mm -hmm. that it that they've increased their camps and and private lessons and it, it, it and even being in the education business at high school level there were people that thought by taking summers off you forgot that 
part of education that you had to retrain kids when they came back in the fall. So your first couple of weeks were retention and, and building that where uh, uh, maybe a balanced calendar or longer that they would retain those skills. So you're right. It is more than just sports, but sports has become um, such a big business. And sometimes we uh, forget about having fun or making mm-hmm. the opportunity about um, more than winning. So even when we're, when you're talking roster sizes, it's a management thing. You have to make sure that to be good, you got to make sure every kid is engaged or feel they part of the team, or it could lead to bigger issues. And, and you alluded to, if you don't have a large roster injuries or other quit kids getting could, could impact your roster and your success. So it's intertwined. Um, and, you know, from the coaching standpoint, you're no matter how big your roster is, if you really boil it down to what the student athletes want, they want to be helped. They, they want to be able to get better in whatever it is that that they're doing. And so if you can care about them, if they can trust you and you can help them, they're fine. It doesn't matter if you have a roster of 50 or if you have a roster of five. If you can do all those things for all those kids and you can help them and you can, you can care about them and they trust you then it's fine it where those things break down whether it's 50 or 5 is when those things aren't happening and that's where the breakdown that happens in the classroom too if if you need help and you're 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 not really getting what the professor the high school teachers talking about you don't understand it and you you can't get the help and that trust is not built there and then you feel like they don't care about you well what do you think happens that they don't get good grades and 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 that the victim comes out a little bit and it's the teacher's fault and you know but but that's kind of a microcosm of exactly what we're talking about with roster sizes and everything else and i forgot i just saw this yesterday the day before and um John Gordon name comes up on our podcast a lot, but the energy bus, which I haven't read, but do you know that when he went to first speak that, uh, he had a bunch of people show up and he was super impressed and he was like in Iowa and he couldn't figure out why all these people showed up because he was just getting into the business. And what had been sent out was people thought it was Jeff Gordon coming to speak. <laughs> I would have gone to see Jeff the Gordon too. Guy, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is funny. And yeah. again, by chance, and 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 people, and he, but he put on a good show because now he's won the world. Yeah. And and back to the energy bus, I haven't read it, but getting people on the bus, getting yes. everyone on the same page, and yes. you know, I, the reason it came up recently is you know our fall sports are beginning to happen. And one D one football coach said, "This is my toughest issue is getting everybody on the same page." And mm-hmm. It can be a large roster, it can be a small roster, it can be a medium roster, but that is one of the biggest tasks of a coach to be successful regardless of roster size. Unfortunately, we're still in a society where, you know, some of it comes down dollars There's a sense and that is either a larger roster or more sports. And, you know, currently at LCC, we have nine sports. And, you know, we had the conversation, you know, before we started recording the podcast about other sports we've offered in the past, hockey, bowling swimming and as golf golf as we look at moving forward again we've done a nice job of increasing the rosters on our current team where they're still manageable but adding sports is also something we're looking at as a department but adding sports in general is just difficult right you can't it's really hard to just say okay well we're we're adding hockey you know it is um there's a number of factors i look at when i try to add a sport one is our recruiting base what do our local high school demographics offer that we can make sure we can sustain a team two 
what what our league offers you got to have a schedule and if you don't have a local schedule you're going to travel more and it's going to be more cost so you know what 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 league sports are offered out there helps you put a schedule together three facilities um, that would be another cost whether you have to build one whether you have to rent one whether you currently have one that you can adapt to use um, and then another another number of factors quality coaches out there again dollars and cents is always a big one but uh, it's, 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 it is a challenge. It's not, it's just as easy. Many people come to you and say, Hey, let's start bowling tomorrow. Well, obviously they're the, they're the path that has to be navigated through to make it happen. And that's why it's difficult. And that's and why staffing some, as well, you know, yeah. to, to manage all that departmental and um, mm -hmm. sport specific. And that's again, things that people don't see or forget that we'll try and make it happen tomorrow, where if you do it too quickly or you don't do it right, then it is it's back to a negative experience for student athletes or mm -hmm. it doesn't last. And and that's clued when you start your, in, you know, your own business or even the other things we talk about, the, the preparation up front, the time up front to making sure you're ready. And the, and the same goes true with back to roster sizes. If you, don't, if you don't have a plan or you don't prepare ahead of time about engaging every student athlete in practice, we've talked about having purposeful practice plans, then you're going to lose probably those student athletes that aren't engaged or are having a good experience, which is counterproductive of having a large roster size because the end, it, it, it still washes out. Yeah, I think naturally you'll have attrition rates at, at some level in all sports, whether it's from injuries or just lack of you know playing time or whatever it might be that they just kind of wash out of there. So those roster numbers are always going to be fluctuating a little bit. And in the sports like baseball and football and, and some of the other contacts sports as well like rugby and basketball you you end up with with injuries and sometimes those injuries last more than a week or two and so then there's that attrition rate there as well so you get it from both sides but it's it's super important that you have teams that have enough depth to be able to carry you through a season if your season's only a week long then you probably don't need a lot of depth but when your your season goes from like the our baseball season that starts you know in august and and hopefully finishes somewhere uh, the first of June. That, that's a that's ten months. You know that's that's a super long time. So you need that. And that's a great point of of what different sports have to tackle to when navigating rosters and even how many games you play in, in during a week. You know, in the spring, sometimes weather impacts our season. That you know, there's a higher risk of injury if you're making up games and playing every day. And that's another huge reason why I encourage larger rosters is because of the length of the season and all the things that can happen and you know the three main things that happen are injury quitting or eligibility issues and, and you got to prepare for that because it's a lot harder to to manage a small roster when most consider the end of the season the most important time of the year and you don't have a, a, a full deck to to compete with so for baseball cold weather states typically will play more games, more innings in a week at the college level than Major League Baseball will. And when you think about that, those guys are professionals and that's what they're getting paid to do. These are student athletes who are also not only playing more innings and more games, but they're also being students as well. So there, there's a higher, a much higher um, piece to, to that. That's a crazy statistic when you think of major league plays almost every day once right. they get going. Right. And alarming a little bit as a, you know, when we try and make sure they're students first, but it, it's just 
eye popping of, of the the obstacles we face in scheduling or trying to fit, especially in cold weather states. Yes, yes, in baseball mm-hmm. and softball, right. and just not cold weather, rainy weather. <laughs> but, and it's hard to talk cold right now when it's been as hot as it has this summer. But but just too much short nighted short sightedness if you don't manage your roster and prepare or even kind of be selfish, like you alluded to earlier about not having as many problems if you have a smaller roster. And thankfully, it, it starts up front with staffing and, ha- you know, you don't even have an assistant coaches if you, you know, you know, with budgets tight there and not having a, a, a high assistant coach budget, but find, finding volunteers to help out so that there's more people that can help communicate and build and support and develop the student athlete that might not be actively involved in a particular drill or a particular game. So staffing also plays into that and good coaches find ways to help each individual, whether by themselves or with their staff to, to stay engaged and involved. Because I just think if you're not inclusive as a coach, it's, it's going to bite you. And we've all, all coaches have been bit by, an injury or a, or an eligibility issue or a kid quitting. And that happens, you know, even in the best program. So it's not like a coach is doing a wrong thing, but it's just the nature or the law of averages. But it's just so important to, you know, manage your roster and, and be inclusive. And I think you're more successful with a larger roster up front and in navigating through systems like that than being maybe the the other world and then again and it helps the college and it helps argumentally statistically that you know we are you know having good enrollment statistics for and but the other end is you know the 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 transferring and the the graduation you know making them see them through their retention rates has always been a statistic that I looked at for when when looking at a coaching staff or who's coming back and why or why not are they not coming back and again there's a story behind every one of those but it helps you know paint a total picture of what your program looks like because if you're going to win a championship and not that that's everything you need luck you need a good path and you need to be healthy and you need to have talent but you know we forget that the the injury part of how that can impact and you know, the, one of the big things that in pro sports right now, you know, the success of the Patriots and Bill Belichick's model, um, next man up or do your job. And that's a lot easier said than than done, especially at the different levels of, of athletics. But so doing your jobs a lot easier said than done <laughs> daily, <laughs> <laughs> you know. If it, you know, I, I, I'm a, a knowledge seeker, a wisdom seeker. I try and learn as much as I can, but you also got to do too. So you got to do your job. And, and again, learning to, you know, come bring in 80% some days is better than others. We've talked about sleeping. If you don't get a good night's sleep and you don't want to go to work the next day, you still got to bring everything you can. And that's so true in athletics because whether you're playing a talented team or a team that isn't as talented, you can bring different levels of skill or something, but if you if you apply yourself to your own standard, you're you're playing against that every day. But it's not easy doing your job or or the next person up. And some days are better than earlier. We had that conversation this morning, but um, unfortunately, there's not many days off, or that's where you know you you substitute in, and hopefully that person steps up. And we've seen 
throughout history of someone might be getting someone that gets hurt and their their backup comes in and they never lose that spot again so you know taking advantage of your opportunity and that's all back part of managing a roster doing what you're supposed to be doing every day in practice um, other variables and you know getting it done in the classroom because if you're not eligible in the classroom it doesn't matter what you can do um, at practice that day so it's all intertwined. It's all important. And in the end, it'll, it'll, it'll be a, a clue of whether you're going to be successful or not and successful on the court and successful for the college and, you know, making sure, you know, it's a viable program and we're sustaining ourselves and having and providing an opportunity for um, our recruits and our, our student body. Do your job. It's a good conversation as usual. And until next time, go Stars. Stars on Sports is recorded live at the WLNZ studios. Engineering and production assistance are provided by Didalian Lowry. You can listen to this episode and other episodes of Stars on Sports on demand at lccconnect.org. To find more information about our athletic program, visit lccstars.com. Thanks for listening. Go Stars! This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. The Adult Enrichment Program at LCC offers classes in watercolor, creative welding, motorcycle safety, photography, and more. All classes are non-credit. Information about the Adult Enrichment Center is available at lcc.edu slash keep learning. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to Community Convos, a podcast and radio program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in Lansing and around mid-Michigan. This is Dedalian once again on the Convo, and with me in the studio today is Dan Henderson. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What is your role exactly with the Bless Fest? Sure. So uh, I'm part of this organization called Media Messengers. Yes. Uh, we're a nonprofit here in Lansing. Okay. And my official title is the Creative Content Director. So I do a lot of the marketing, video ads, and organizing, paperwork, boring stuff. And then the day of, it's kind of like wearing all the hats of the festival organizer. Okay, well, I think with any kind of event like this, usually you're wearing multiple hats anyway, right? Oh, yeah. So this is uh, Bless Fest. Now, uh, this has been around for quite a while, right? It has. This is actually our 20th year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did it get started? What happened? What's it about? Sure. So the Bless Fest is just a, a big community festival for everybody. Mm-hmm. And the premise behind it was started by my father. He was a reverend here in Lansing. So 20 years ago, 
Uh, my dad ended up working at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So he was in charge of video production at the Capitol for the Senate hearings. Everything they do on Senate has to be on record. And so every morning he's driving to the Capitol early in the morning. And one morning he pulled up to a stoplight and he saw a man praying right before he leans over a trash can and digs in to see if he can find some cans. Okay. And that struck him as, you know, that's a pretty yeah. heavy thing to see first thing in the morning. Certainly. He goes to the next bus stop. He sees a mom with two crying babies and she's struggling. She's, you know, stressed out, frazzled. Um, they're waiting for the bus and he could just see the depression and heaviness upon her. Yeah. He goes to the next stop. He sees an, um, a broken down building. It's all smashed in and everything and it's abandoned. Um, and then he just pulls over to the side of the road and he's like kind of has that conversation with God. He's like, are you, are you trying to show me something here? And he just felt that heaviness that, and he kept seeing these sure. types of things over the years working at the Capitol, uh, felt impressed to do something Okay, and he didn't know what to do or necessarily, but he started to get a picture in his head of a family festival where it's like bringing people together, making it free and affordable, making it fun, almost like a family picnic, uh, okay. but on a large scale. Um, so when he told me the idea and luckily my dad, he had four sons. Um, so we all, you know, took part in this, but when he started telling me this story, I was like, okay, that sounds cool. But we don't have any money. We don't have any resources. We don't have any connections. He's like, that's okay. We'll start small. So he started small printing the flyer on his own computer. We he just had coolers of, you know, pop and food and stuff like that the first time. And it was great. Okay. So this is 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 20 uh, years ago. And it's, it's grown over the years. We have much. Oh, and, and that's where I did this. This is a three day function now, right? It is. Was yes. it originally that in the beginning? No. So originally it was just like a Saturday kind of a afternoon in the park kind of thing. Okay. But it's grown. Yeah. Okay. Well, and as a three day function, that is a lot of stuff, <laughs> time to fill up. First of all, when did it switch over to three days? Sure. So we noticed that when we did the Bless Fest, we'd have all kinds of music because we want to appeal to everybody. Sure. You know, if it's a family picnic, you want everybody to feel included. Everybody have a you mm-hmm. know, seat at the table. So we'd have, you know, gospel music, uh, country, rock and roll and uh, rap and hip hop, you know, everything like that. But we noticed when we had the rap and hip hop artists come out, it really made a connection with yeah. our Lansing audience. Mm-hmm. So as you know, you know, there's a radio station here in Lansing that plays rap and hip hop. It's probably sure. very, you know, it's very popular. So we noticed that and we wanted to incorporate, uh, and we love the messages that we get from these rappers. And if you kind of think about rap, these guys were storytellers. Mm-hmm. They weren't just talking about flashy rims and money. They were t- telling stories and that's really what they connected with. And a lot of our rappers, they have a story to tell. Um, and sometimes you say Christian rap, that's, that's corny. Is that like Ned Flanders up there? Dancing <laughs> but, um, hey there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> um, but we have these, these guys that we've come in contact with over the years. Um, sure. one of them, you know, is a guy named Deontay Hall. Um, he's from the Michigan area, but he was from a drug dealer background. Okay. And he, you know, lived that lifestyle. Changed his life. That was the neighborhood he was in. That was the career path. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, trouble comes with that. And when you get in trouble, you start to rethink your life. Um, and then finding faith is a very positive thing. It's, it's a, it gives you standards. It gives you morals. It gives you a community to connect to. So now these guys have a powerful message and they're speaking about their past and where they've come from and where, where uh, faith has brought them. Tell me some of the other acts, either be it the hip hop acts or beyond that you're going to be having over this uh, three days that you've got this going on. Yes, absolutely. So another guy on Friday night, his name is Kiwi. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, was actually from Indianapolis originally, but he has a, a di- little bit of a different story. You know, he was raised in the church, um, raised with faith and values, but the neighborhood started to rub off on him and he started to find himself at a crossroads, you know, making a choice. But he has a great, uh, great message. He's full of positivity, just lights up the room. He's got a song out this summer. It's called We Outside. It's a great, fun song for the summer. Okay. Um, and then, you know, moving on to Saturday, we have lots of different artists, all different types of music. Uh, Michelle Miller and the Let It Flow Band, they're, mm-hmm. they're local that people know about them. They're a gospel soul type of a, a band. Okay. Uh, another group uh, called His DNA. They're a rock group. Like like more alternative vibe? What, what are you looking at there? Mm, His DNA might be more like a, um, not necessarily a classic rock, but maybe like contemporary rock. So not okay, heavy kind of a, metal. No, no, no. I get where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. Kind of heartland kind of a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All so right. a lot of good stuff, but but variety. So we have, you know, gospel, right on. rap, right on. rock and roll, contemporary worship. Okay. So people can expect a lot of great different types of genres of music. That's awesome. Uh, what else can people expect? I, you know, from what I understand, this is a family friendly event. There's a lot of other things that you've got beyond the music. What is it? Right. So, so we want the premise to be completely free and family friendly. So if you come to a family picnic, you're not going to have to shell out 40, 50 bucks. You're our guest. So come and be our guest. Nobody's going to stamp your hand or give you a food coupon. You're part of the family. Saturday we have, you know, free food. Um, we grill hamburgers, hot dogs, and, um, you know, we have free bottled water throughout the whole weekend, uh, free seating and shade tents. So you don't have to worry about lugging out a chair or anything like that. We've got you covered. Uh, then we have like free raffles. Okay. Um, lots of bouncy houses and bubbles. and Yeah, there's kids. what I'm looking for. Uh, that's what I was waiting for. Yes, absolutely. So that's fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So we got a three-day event. It's called Bless Fest. And where, of course, is this going to be held? Because that's what people want to know, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's right there at Dotto Riverfront Park, right mm-hmm. right next door to LCC, uh, where you used to have the Common Ground Festival. Yep. Yep. All and, right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time. And then as far as time-wise, what, what, what can people expect usually? Sure. So Friday night, the Lansing Flow Fest, it's all uh, rap and hip hop and it has mm-hmm. a clean message. So people can always feel free to bring their kids and it's a good time. Uh, that's Friday, August 25th from 6 to 9 p.m. The Lansing Bless Fest, the variety concert festival with you know free fun and giveaways. Um, that's on Saturday, August 26th from 1 to 9 p.m. Uh, and then Sunday, we kind of finished the week off. We had some local churches approach us and said, hey, we'd like to incorporate something uh, for the community on Sunday. Uh, and that's become the one gathering. It's basically just kind of a time for uh, various faiths to come together and have a prayer uh, and praise gathering. Okay. And if you're listening uh, either on the radio or even on the podcast, I'm going to have Dan send me some of these links that he's been talking about and give you a chance to kind of listen to some of these artists ahead of time. Last and final question, where, of course, would people go on the Webernet to get more information on all this? Absolutely. So our website is mediamessengers.org. Uh, of course, we're on Facebook and YouTube and all those other pr- platforms. Okay. Dan Henderson from Bless Fest. Thanks so much for coming in and uh, joining me here on The Combo. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Community Combos, a program from LCC Connect with conversations about what's happening in our community. To listen to this episode on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Community Combos, email us lcc-connect at lcc.edu. And thanks for joining the combo. Sharing the voices of Lansing Community College. 
visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Mason Promise Scholarship. The Mason Promise Scholarship is a community organization of volunteers that guarantees funding for two years of Lansing Community College education to selected Mason Public School students. For more information on the Mason Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. Ready for our little forest adventure? We're here. Whoa, that was fast. There's a forest closer than you think. Find a park or forest near you and music inspired by nature at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by USDA Forest Service and the Ad Council. Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu slash fresh start. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, hey, hey. This is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. Today's star is a Lansing area native who for the last seven years has been working in higher education, focusing primarily on transfer, non-traditional students, and creating partnerships that enable students to maximize their college experience. He earned his associate's degree from LCC, bachelor's from MSU, and a master's from Northwood University prior to starting at LCC. Our star is currently the transfer specialist in the new transfer center at LCC, where he educates and helps students maximize their ability to transfer courses and credits from LCC to their desired four-year institution. This star and the transfer center also act as liaisons to our students here at LCC and the individuals and resources at four-year colleges and universities that assist with transfer students. He is a father to a rambunctious, goofy, and darling little two-and-a-half-year-old girl named Lily, who he and his wife, Tori, love to take on adventures, long walks, and trips to get ice cream, among other activities. Our star is passionate about helping others and being the person that you can count on in times of need. All right, I think it's time that you find out who's today's star. Drum roll, please. Today's star is Luke Richards. Luke, we are so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm very excited. 
I'm excited too. I want to get to um, asking you some interesting questions. I don't really know a lot about you, so this is a good opportunity for the, me to be nosy and dig in yeah. a little deeper. Let's do it. So, at first, can you tell me a little bit about like who you are? You know what's important to you in your life right now? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm a Lansing native. I grew up in Mason, um, just about 20 miles south of here. I uh, went to MSU and LCC, lived in East Lansing for the past uh, 15 years or so. Actually, not quite that long, 12, 12 years. And um, really fell in love with higher ed. Um, right now, you know, kind of my priority, or I, I would say the most important thing in my life right now is uh, my wife and daughter, mm-hmm. uh, Lily, trying to make as many memories and experiences for us as possible right now that's early on in her childhood. And just day to day trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. That's great. So I want to know a little bit more about the department that you work in. You said it's the transfer center. Yep. Can you explain to me in one sentence what your job is? Yeah. So um, my job is to educate and allocate resources for students and be their liaison between LCC and that four-year university uh, or college that they're looking to pursue. So again, primarily educating the students on the transfer process, allocating the resources that they need to be successful, and then aligning those um, and empowering them to be their own self-advocate in regards to transfer so that they can maximize what they're, they're doing here at LCC, hoping to earn an associate's degree prior to transferring, but also helping them with the reverse transfer process so that we can still capture that associate's degree um, and provide them with an additional credential on their, their resume. You know, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. That's a good way. That is a good idea because they have a relationship with you. They can always get in touch back with you. You can help them facilitate to get that back and then still get an associate's mm-hmm. degree. That's smart. I mean, yeah. I know, you know, they say, yeah, I know it's smart. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, now, like, can you tell me what your day looks like with that? Yeah, day to day. So we launched a new form called the Transfer Success Form. Essentially what that does, it provides us with a starting point to where we can start to begin to allocate those resources, educate the student, um, depending on what they're interested in studying, where they want to go. So the beginning of my day starts out with really going through those transfer success forms, beginning to start reaching out to the students based on whatever they've inquired about. So for example, if a student is interested in transferring to MSU to study psychology, our team has compiled a plethora amount of resources that we can then pull from, provide to the student, and then schedule or set up a meeting with that student to then dig in on a granular level you know, what are the links or the, the websites that we're going to be using, mm-hmm. um, pulling? I, I like to start from the, the baccalaureate degree curriculum that they're, they're wanting to pursue and show them, you know, how to use the transfer.msu.edu resources to find equivalencies. That consumes a lot of my day just because Michigan not being a system state for transfer mm-hmm. students, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. So right. When it gets to, you know, those one-off students who are comparing five or six schools and a couple different programs, it can be, as you know, very overwhelming. Oh, yes. And as a transfer student myself, I know how daunting that process was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have someone on, on the inside of an institution like LCC that has, you know, surrounded myself, say, with professionals and individuals who are very knowledge-heavy with 
transfer information, mm-hmm. we, we're able to basically, again, align our resources to better the student's experience and to ease their transfer process so that, you know, it's not so daunting and they don't have to do it by themselves. Right. Because you have the four year experience, too, because you worked at Northwood before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from that side, but then you also know from the community college side now and how to help the student navigate all those systems. And so I think that's a good thing. That's a good service. And a lot of times academic advisors may not have a time to be able to do all of those things. We help support, you know, the early stages of, you know, decision making. And then when someone's gets down to the heavy lift and a lot of times the student have to do that on their own. Right. And so this is an opportunity for the students to have support. And so I think that's a great thing. And I think that's a, you bring a good, a good point. That's a, a lot of what I'm finding is just the students haven't found or haven't been provided a lot of the education that they need and to understand the various nuances that take place mm-hmm. during their college experience. Is there a specific time like, when a student should reach out to you? Whatever works best for the student. I always say the earlier the better because things can change. So if, if they have the right tools and the right knowledge around, you know, if I'm interested in studying something in the social sciences field, you know, if they have curriculums from a few different programs, you know, and they bring those to their academic advisor, the advisor can help parallel plan between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, we can start to get, uh, like I said earlier, more on a granular level um, which reduces a lot of hiccups, a lot of wasted time and semesters and money. It does. So it, the earlier the better, but our center, I would say, is equipped to kind of helping students at any stage. So it's not uncommon that we're getting students with 100 plus credits from LCC looking at what programs are going to take you know, the most of what I have and give right. me the outcome that I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, that's great. So my next question, what do you like the most about what you do here at LCC? I would say, you know, I initially got into higher ed because it was a position I felt that I was still interacting one-on-one with people and helping people. That's ultimately, I think, what has brought me the most joy out of the various positions I've had within higher ed. So here at LCC, we think we have a great culture around servicing the student. Um, and so I feel very supported and that that's what makes me happy day in, day out, as long as I'm doing what I can, the best interest of the student and helping them, um, I can leave, go home, feel fulfilled and happy. I think that's cool. Yeah. That's a good feeling when you Mm -hmm. leave. Okay. Well, let's find out some other stuff. How do you like, well, how do you have fun? Oh, well, I think it really depends on the season, the weather, where I am, you know, if I'm at home and it's nice outside, I can have fun in a lot of different ways, whether it's a project around the house. I actually enjoy, you know, like mowing the lawn and making the outside of the house look nice. Mm-hmm. I even enjoy sometimes just like cleaning the inside of the house, doing laundry. I'm the laundry guy at our house, so I don't mind doing that. You like to keep stuff tidy yep. and have it, okay. Yeah, I, you know, I have a firm belief that like the inside of your house, the inside of your bedroom is a great representation of like your mental state and your mind. And so I like, <laughs> I hope that ain't true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to keep, you know, uh, and don't get me wrong, our house, we have a two and a half year old. So there are days when our house looks like, uh, yeah. you know, a tornado zone. I so, get it. But uh, you know, we, we try to keep stuff tidy. Um, but in the summer I really, really enjoy golf. Mm, um, okay. 
I try, I have to gotten to be very strategic about when I can golf just because with a two and a half year old, it's solo parenting is very challenging. It's hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, around nap times or, you know, in the summer being that it stays, uh, lighter later, I can, you know, right. squeeze in around after we do the bedtime routine, mm-hmm. um, or a quick nine or even just go to the, the driving range or chip and putt. We love to travel. That was, I would say that's one of my wife and I's uh, greatest passions is to travel, um, whether that's you know just in Michigan, throughout the U.S., or uh, throughout the world. Oh, you like to inter- travel mm-hmm. internationally too? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, what else? Good food. I love good food. I love a good show. Um, Me too. Yeah. I'm a foodie. I like good, going to travel to for good restaurants mm-hmm. and different places like Absolutely. that. I said I'm going to do the diners drive and dive tour yeah. where you can go to those different restaurants. Yep. I want to do that so bad. So. We're we're starting to do the the Lansing Foodies challenge on Facebook. Oh yeah, I see that too. Like I'm on there, but I don't I don't understand the challenge, I guess. Like you I do, I guess I do understand. I'm just not I'm I'm just not there yet. Some of the places I'm not willing to experiment yet. Yeah. But you know, it's a it's a good place to give you a lot of information. Absolutely. A lot about food things. Okay, so what is your favorite season and why? Hmm. I would have to say late, well, that's not really a season, but I guess time of year, late summer and early fall. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather starts to change. It's not so hot. Right. It's not so dry. Football. Yeah. Tailgating. I uh, still get to golf. Um, it's usually our favorite time to get up north and enjoy the colors. Okay. Um, it it's it's bearable to be outside again. Yeah, I think I like that. That's my I w- I normally say fall, but yeah, you're right. It's like that late summer, early yeah. fall time where it's it's still warm. You get mm-hmm. you know you can still do things. Sometimes you have a little jacket on or right, something like that. Right. But yeah, I like that time too. And then it's always like to start to me like school starts. Yeah, different things start, and so yeah. that's what I always yeah. say. Seeing Late that. August through you know early November uh, until the leaves start to fall. Then I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. it's too yeah. cold and yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, then we start thinking, and then it's like seem like when the time change. Yep. That's when I'm like, it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that season is a done yep. deal. It's time to get back buckle and hunker up, down. For, yeah. Buckle up for winter. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay. But yeah, that's my, I think that's my favorite season too. Um, What is some of the best advice that you have learned in your life so far? You know, I was thinking about this and I've been just mulling so many different pieces of advice over. I have to say, you know, reflecting on the past well, almost a year. Um, I've gone through a lot of, I think, self-growth, um, trying to, again, be the best version of myself. And I've, uh, I've been a people pleaser for a long time in my life. Mm. And dealing with, I guess, handling guilt has been a big one. Yeah. And, um, you know, I learned that guilt is only designed, uh, you're only supposed to feel guilty when you've done something bad. Mm-hmm. And so as a people pleaser, when you see that you've disappointed others and, you know, you feel guilty, it's kind of a false sense of guilt and you shouldn't feel that way. And so understanding, and I guess accepting that it's okay to make other people upset. You can't control other, other people's emotions. Right. And so, you know, trying to try to day to day, I guess, just live in your, your own truth, uh-huh. trying to be the best version of yourself. Um, yeah. 
I like how you explain that though. Yeah. I think that's cool because I think a lot of people deal with that. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to disappoint this person, but it's it's bending me all out of shape. Yeah, to do this thing, yep. but then I'm gonna beat myself up. Yeah, because I couldn't do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, I I think that the way you explain that is a good. What's good? Yeah, cool. So. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all right. That's all right. I just was like, that was an epiphany to me because I'm I'm sometimes like that. So yeah, I think that's a cool way to do it. All right, what is your favorite quality about yourself? Oh man, um, I would have to say that I try to give a hundred percent in just about everything that I do. Um, my dad was a a very, very hardworking, um, blue collar kind of guy who didn't have a college education, um, was a carpenter, plumber, um, you know, you name it, he could do it. And he didn't, uh, do anything 50%. You know, if he was going to do something, he was going to do it. And he he went hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, um, work on, you know, his body and, and I would say, you know, the relationship that he had with a lot of folks, but it was something that I admired that he, you know, did give it his all every time mm-hmm. um, he did something. If he said he was going to do it, he was going to do it. And he was going to do it as best as he could. Yeah. So I, I think I, I learned that from him and try to keep that in my, you know, my life day, to, day in and day out. So you 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 try to make sure that scene and your tasks and your work yeah. from at home. Well, I can hear that though. Like when you talk about um how you want your outside of your house look, you know, the inside you want it to to mm-hmm. be nice, a good representation of I'm taking care of what I need to take care right. of and I'm gonna do it right. So mm-hmm. I I agree with that. Not that it doesn't matter if I agree or not, but I'm just saying I like to, I like that. I like that, Luke. So this question I already know, and I haven't asked this question in a while, but I think I'm going to get the answer that I expect. Go green or go blue? Go green. Okay, yeah. Okay. Go green, yeah. I, I noticed that you graduated yep. from MSU. Did you have a specific major? So I started out uh, on the nur- a nursing track. Oh, I was I wanted to be a nurse. Okay, and I was working in a nursing home while going to school. Okay, and burnt myself out, mm-hmm. and decided that you know being a CNA working almost forty hours a week and on nights wasn't really conducive for school. But I learned that nursing just wasn't something that I was, you know, really passionate passionate about. And I found out, you know, through other jobs with community mental health, um, through higher ed, that it was really just working with people that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. So my undergrad after, you know, switching majors a bunch of times, uh, it was an interdisciplinary studies degree, uh, a major in psychology and a cognate or a minor in public health. Oh, okay. Still had that health aspect mm-hmm. in there yeah. but yeah yeah because i think that that's the thing like sometimes you don't if you don't have the opportunity to kind of intern or do a practicum or you know early 
Right. So that you can kind of get that taste and see how that field is. Or like they'll talk about informational interviews. And I really suggest that people do those because if you talk to someone in the field, it gives you an opportunity to get inside information about that job and that career. And so I think it's cool that you found out, you know, because that's a commitment. And then you, you know, would have went that pathway, not having had that experience. You never know how to went. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's a a good thing. And then you went to Northwood for your master's. Yep. Yep. So after I got into higher ed, um, I was working for Northwood at the time and I knew I wanted to stay in higher ed and they had a brand new program that was designed by higher ed professionals for organizational leadership. Okay. And so what was nice is I I went through the program actually with um, a colleague now, uh, Graham Burke. Okay, yeah, Graham over there. Shout out, Graham. Yeah, and our director, Patty, actually went through the same program. Shout out, Patty, too. Yeah, so um, it was a a really nice program. We met in the university center once a week, uh, Monday nights in the evenings. Oh. From 6 to 9 p.m., so made for long Monday nights. Yeah, but it was nice to have classroom interaction with, um, you know, professors and classmates. It was kind of a, a more intimate setting. There mm-hmm. were only ten or twelve of us, I think, in the cohort, um, but we moved through each class together. So it was really nice. Uh, I like that a way of doing it because I feel like it's a commitment. You know, once you get in there with people, it's like I can't, I can't stop. You right. know, it, unless it's, it can happen. You know, people do emergencies and stuff. But I feel like that commitment because you make relationships, it helps you to kind of stay accountable and absolutely. You're like, I can do it. Oh, and I'm good to see Luke. I'm good to see Patty. Right. You know, and then you like it makes a difference. Right. Yeah. And each. Each uh, student that was in there, you know, was a professional in their own industry. And so you were able to learn about how the various topics we studied, you know, impacted or came into play in their various organizations Mm -hmm. and within their industry. So it was really eye opening uh, how applicable the the degree program was um, for, you know, various settings. Right. Well, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the first thing that you do after getting home from work? Well, it depends on if I grab Lily from daycare or Mm -hmm. if Tori does. Uh, If Tori grabs her from daycare, it's usually the first thing is a hug from Lily. And then, um, you know, Tori usually has already gotten her kind of set up with some snacks or has started dinner in a way. Um, So I just get to kind of enjoy my Lily time right when I get home. She's always super jacked to see us. Yeah. uh, Whenever whenever (laughs) one of us gets home. So that's just, you can't. You know, you can't put a price tag on that. You sure can. Um, and then if I grab her, you know, I grab her and then we usually go home and uh, we both will change into kind of like our nighttime or our, our evening clothes, our comfy clothes. And then we usually get out some snacks and start playing. And playing, having a good time. Yep. That energy level of a two and a half year old, man, if you could bottle that up, oh, yeah. it would be great. Yep. I need that right now. My knees need that right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, yeah. I would love that. I agree. So, like, what's your favorite way to spend your day off? Like, if you have a day off. If I have a day off just at home um, without dad responsibilities, I would say in the summertime, definitely golf. Uh, or some self-care in terms of a, a workout or getting some stuff done around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you do a honey-do list. Yeah, yeah, we kind of have a an ongoing 
task list that we just like to, you know, Sunday we sit down and we'll put together some goals for the week and what things we need to get done around the house that are priority. Yeah. And then we kind of slowly just chip away day in and day out if we can get a couple done here and there. Okay. Um, So yeah, days off are, they're kind of scarce, but we try to prioritize for one another, you know, some of that self care and time to ourselves because we, it's important, especially when you got a two and a half year old that wants all of your attention. And I bet. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, we, we try really hard to make sure that, you know, when we are interacting with her, it's, it's, all, we're, she's getting all of us. So, yeah. um, it, which can be challenging after <laughs> right. a day at work, but, um, yeah, so we try to do whatever we can to, to make sure that we are able to give 100% when she needs it. So, And a lot of that is taking days off and taking care of yourself and do it when you want to do. Right, so. exactly. You do have to take care of yourself and so you can be your best. I like this question because you, it's good and you're insightful, so I can't wait to hear what you say about this. I'm not trying to set you up for nothing. <laughs> but, great. Um, what career advice would you give to your younger self? man, my younger self. Um, so I would say try to identify early as early on as possible. What really brings you fulfillment Mm -hmm. and, and what things are important to you. So for example, for me, like I really like helping people. Uh, I really like being a part of a team. I grew up playing sports so that, that part of my, you know, career I wanted to, I, I can't, I can I don't prefer to do tasks alone. I like to have a team. There are some things that I would say I I do well fine on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, So identify things that, you know, make you happy on a day-to-day basis and then find things that, you know, challenge you. So whether that's working and understanding with data or trying to um, be strategic about your workflows. Uh, try to find challenges that are obtainable and goals that are obtainable to mm-hmm. give yourself wins. And then, you know, set long-term goals if you can. Um, so, you know, for example, like when I started at Northwood, I knew right then initially that I didn't want to stay on the four-year side. I wanted to get to a larger public institution, preferably a community college. At the time, we were like still deciding on whether we wanted to stay in Lansing mm. or in East Lansing forever or if we wanted to move up north. So, oh, okay. you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I did as much education as I could on the the community college side. Uh-huh. I could see myself working for, you know, community college in the future. So setting long term um, slash short term goals yeah. that you can work towards so that you don't kind of get lost in just like the day to day um yeah, so those are what I, I would say, like, if I was younger, um, I would have appreciated that insight because I, I definitely, you know, coming from wanting to be a nurse to then just working after completing a degree that wasn't necessarily correspondent with a specific industry or a mm-hmm. specific job, you know, I, I kind of had a lot of stress and anxiety of like, well, am I going to find a job with this degree? But you know, there's a lot out there. Right. And, and I just kind of had to take a chance with, um, you know, the position I, you know, was provided and I did. Hey, I think that's some good advice. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. I hope some people listening today listen to some these gems that Luke has been dropping for us <laughs> today.
And I do think so. I think that um, you got a lot of insight in your whys. And so um, I think students would benefit if they want to transfer and are interested in transferring if they stop by the transfer center. And where is that located at? It's in 2204 Gannon Building. So we're just before the Success ca- success Coach Lounge um, on the the lot or the Gannon Highway. Mm-hmm. What you call that? Yep. yep. On the second floor, yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to end our interview today. Um, Luke, I'm so thankful that you came on. Thank you for having me. And everybody, I look forward to talking to you soon. You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out Who's That Star? This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Vision.